data and the large data sets that are available. Welcome to the Lifelong Learning Podcast with Chris McGuire. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Lifelong Learning Podcast. And today I'm joined by a very inquisitive man, Peter Blanche. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be here. And it's great to have a scientist. And it's great to pick a scientist's brain. Should I take heed? <laughs> yes, you should. <laughs> does the rabbit hole go deep? <laughs> it does. It goes very, very deep. And it keeps going and keeps going until the gravity waves take it all away. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pete, the way we begin this show is, um, could you just share a little bit about what you do in your day-to-day work? Well, I'm, I'm the CDP teaching educator and I go around to schools and look at what we're doing in science, try and inspire science teachers to look at inquiry questions, look at a different way of pedag- in different pedagogy. Um, I look at how they're going. I look at trying to implement the stage six syllabus, which is my little baby, mm-hmm. and really trying to make science the biggest thing in uh, since sliced bread in all of our schools in the diocese. So, um, oh, there was a nice little opening there. <laughs> you, you're talking about your baby, the stage six syllabus. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, look, the, the stage six syllabus is, is, I was part of the project team that, that brought that all about. Um, and uh, uh, Mr. Stenning uh, tapped me on the shoulder and said, listen, you need to come over to CDP and implement it rather than just write it. So why did, what did it come about? How did it come about? Well, the reason why it came about was because we were teaching dot points and eventually if we keep teaching dot points, we don't get kids learning. So we need to find some way of developing a syllabus that would allow the students to learn how to do science like for example mm-hmm. you, you, knowledge means great things there's not you know power of knowledge but everyone's got the power of knowledge now they mm-hmm. can go and get a, a, a phone mm-hmm. you can in hsc you can look at all, look at your phone till you go to before the hsc do three hours of a crappy exam then come out and you can still look at your phone and get the knowledge yep so that's not what science is all about and it's never been that science for me science has always been about inquiring and asking the questions what if this happens or how does this work or just pulling things apart mm-hmm. um, and our new scientists for this year in the in the next century really need to be able to pull the knowledge apart and apply it and that's what we need to look for in our scientists to this day. So mm-hmm. I was dragged into the, into the syllabus to say, well, you hate the syllabus, old syllabus, or the current syllabus, and um, fix it. So mm-hmm. we did. <laughs> and so, and when you say dot points, it's like, hit this outcome, hit that outcome, yep. we're, we're, yeah. we're compliant. Yeah, yeah. Like map it all. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, here's all our dot points. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, we covered all the dot points, and uh, therefore we're compliant. Uh, but hang on a minute. Did we teach these kids anything? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I taught him lots of things, but I'm not sure whether he learned it. Yeah, yeah, right. What we need to have is we go into a classroom and have a student say, but what happens if this happens? So, mm. Oh, well, we can't do that because we have, haven't got time. We've got to cover the dot points. Well, that's yeah. crap. Yeah. In real terms, we need teachers that go in and say, what happens? Well, let's examine that. Mm-hmm. And we needed to, the NASA needed to allow student mm. teachers to do that. So they did. Mm. And that's why the depth studies were introduced. And I like how you mentioned in your inquiry and, and in, mm. like the, there's the verbs of being yeah. a, acting acting scientifically, being a scientist. Yeah. Being, well, that's what it's all about. When we're trying to do the... Do the um, uh, the syllabus, I had this mantra that was on my desk every single day going, do this to learn this. Mm. Um, and if That's it cool. didn't fit, it would do this to learn this, got rid of it. 
and threw yeah. it away because you need to do something to learn it. And you can fail. Like this current syllabus doesn't allow you to fail. Yeah. You've just got to come in and do the dot points. And, you know, I've seen so many teachers that walk into a class with this is the dot point we are doing today. I am a robot. When we finish mm-hmm. it, to get off. And the students go out of that classroom being bored, witless, and yeah. they've ticked it off. And they went, yeah, we did it today. And then you ask them, but what did you learn? <laughs> and they go, well, we did the dot points. Yeah, but yeah, but what did you learn? Yeah, that's right. And that's why the syllabus has moved to the inquiry question. Because now you've got inquiry questions that go, here's an inquiry question. Everything you do below that inquiry question is now going to answer the inquiry question. So mm-hmm. you're going to inquire and then ask and ask, and that's going to ask more questions. And the more the more questions that we get the students to ask, the more they become scientists. Yep. Because everyone is a scientist. Because uh, as soon as you ask a question, you're a scientist. Yeah, that's right. What if this happens, you know? Yeah. Remember the kids in the, in the playground who... It's, hey, what happens if we do this? I know. And it's fostering that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, look, as long as everyone's safe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, safety is always a major concern. Yeah. <laughs> Risk assessment there. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, so with the previous syllabus and, and even um, looking at the primary syllabus, it's it's quite robust in outcomes to cover. Yeah. Um, so just looking at the stage six yeah. outcome, it definitely feels like it is, as you say, dot points. It's, yeah. It definitely seems like it's something that a, a passionate science teacher or educator uh, yeah. can take on and really, you know, allow the kids to explore. And I think you mentioned mm. the word depth and yeah, Could, go into depth, go into depth. Yeah. Well, you've you've got the, the syllabus used to the current syllabus had. Hundreds and hundreds. Well, that's probably an exaggeration, but let's mm-hmm. say thousands instead <laughs> <laughs> of dot points that all had to be covered. Every <coughs> dot point needed to be covered. Well, now what we've got is seven working scientifically skills, mm-hmm. which are staged so they, they can do them across year 11 and 12. They have that stupid little word that changed it from year 11 to year 12, oh, yes, which was awesome. awesome because you teach them in year 11, you teach them in year 12, and you're just getting them better and better and better at it. Yeah. But you've only got four knowledge outcomes in year 11 and four mm-hmm. knowledge outcomes in year 12. And there are lots of in- inquiry questions and stuff along the way, but all those inquiry questions are there to help understand what to reach the outcome. And the mm-hmm. outcomes are very broad. I mean, gosh. Plus, we've got this new course, which is awesome, Investigating Science. Such an awesome course. Yeah, so let's, let's uh, have a look at Investigating Science. So I'm going to head down to the Knowledge and Understanding Outcome for year 12. So, develops and evaluates the process of undertaking scientific investigations. Yeah, how good is that? That's fantastic. It just it just enables learning. It just provokes learning. And and not only not only does it provoke learning, but it's it's also the process of getting there. Mm -hmm. And that's it's the the outcome is talking about processes. So you're dealing with anything, and there's no content in there in terms of um, this is biology, this is physics, this is chemistry. It when you look at the whole syllabus and you pull it tear it apart in that year 12 you'll find that mm-hmm. there's lots of investigations that you can play with yeah and so a student that's coming at a lower level can achieve that outcome mm-hmm. but it also means a student at a really high level can also achieve an outcome yep one can be doing say something very simple on plants and just looking at how plants grow Another guy could be doing gravity waves and all the all the data and the large data sets that are available with get mm-hmm. data, gravity waves, or even look at the latest one where the two neutron stars collided. Mm-hmm. 
they can study that. So, and that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, is the gravity wave something that's recently been discovered? Yeah, well, yeah. It, it was it was talked about ages ago by Einstein. Einstein said way way back that space and time. Again, let's not get into relativity, but it's a bit about that. The space it and time. It sounds so exciting, but it's <laughs> it does. I don't know. But it, it said space and time is like they can be. It can be warped. Yeah. And uh, he said, "Oh, we'll never be able to see it because we've never had the equipment to be able to see it." So they made this LIGO that now can see that a LIGO. Habit. Yeah, it's a it's a big collector of yeah you know, can can basically make it simple. It just measures. Mm-hmm. Little, little blips in space time. Yep. So gravity is like a blip, and then when the when the first one we saw was a, a, a black hole, it's just consuming another black hole. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's two black holes or whatever it was, but it was a, maybe it was even making a black hole. Yeah. But when it did that, because there's so much gravity in it, it blipped the whole gravity right across the the universe, and like I caught it. And went, wow, this is really great because Einstein yeah. was right. And if, yeah. like, if Einstein was alive today, he would have gone, wow, that's so good. Because <laughs> he had a good Jewish accent. I tell you what, even just listening to you talk about science, like you, yeah. can, you can hear the enthusiasm. Oh, it's, I love it. it's, you, you're, oh. drawing, you're drawing me in here. <laughs> good. Well, the latest one's even better because Australia was involved in it. That's the two neutron stars colliding. Ah, okay. And then two yep. neutron stars are really, really dense. A neutron star. Yeah. So, like, if you were to take. A teaspoon of a neutron star, it would weigh the same amount as Earth. Wow. Wow. Wow's right. Like, yeah. like, And the two neutron stars are about the size of Sydney. So you can imagine how heavy they were, dense. Yeah. And they got close to each other. And when they got close to each other, they collapsed and collided. Now, mm-hmm. let's, make, let's, let's go back to look at how why a neutron star is so dense. Mm-hmm. Neutrons are made of only neutrons. Now, neutrons are neutral. So that means you can get another neutron and stick it really, really close to it. Mm-hmm. If we're looking at an atom, an atom's made up of neutrons, protons, and electrons. So neutrons and protons are in the middle of it, and they're pretty dense. Mm-hmm. And then around the outside, around the outside, around the outside, <laughs> go the electrons, which are really yep. tiny. They're like the 1,800 times smaller than a neutron. So if you're in a school and you had the principal up the front and you're in school at 1,800 people, the the... Uh, principle up the front would be the the size of would be the size of the electron, mm-hmm. and the rest of the paper would be the size of a neutron. Oh, okay. So that just makes it you know gives you some sort of in, you know intra, in, yeah how look at the size, but the electron spins around, and there's lots of empty space between the nucleus. I was about which to is say that yeah because a, a, a molecule's got so much yeah, space in it's, it and it's empty. There's yeah. nothing there. So really, we're really made up of 99% yeah. empty space. <laughs> I, don't know. I know there's some people that I would say that they are made up more of empty space, but let's just say they're made of empty space. So if you take the electron and you hit it with a proton, when the star collapses, those electrons and protons join together and become a neutron, mm-hmm. which is neutral. So they're not going to repel each other because yep. electrons repel electrons and protons repel. But if you've got neutrons, then there's no space in between them. So they come really, really close together, and that's mm-hmm. why they're so dense. Okay. But the big thing is when the two things get close together, they're, because they're so dense, they've got gravity. Yep. And gravity's the, the weakest of all the four forces, but it's still a force. Like, you talk about gravity. Gravity's not what kills you when you jump out of a, jump out of a, a building. It's, it's the actually... F- the ground? The ground. <laughs> it's actually electrostatic forces that won't allow you to just to get away from it. But the gravity doesn't kill you. It's just that sudden stop, which is the electromagnetic waves, electromagnetic holder particles. So anyway, those two get together. 
the gravity pulls these two things together with a massive size. Before, can I hold you up there? Yep. So when you talk about the um, electrons and, and neutrons are going yeah. around, d- dependent upon the number of those will depend on what molecule it is. Is yeah. that right? Oh, yeah. 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 So for instance, hydrogen's got one, hasn't got a neutron, it's only got a proton and, and an electron. Yeah. Uh, that's proton. But that's that's the simplest of all our elements in, yes. the, in the whole of the universe. Which is the best to use as the example yeah. for, and that's for people like me. Yeah, yeah. 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 and it's, it's, in, it's in the stars. That's what the stars are made of, of hydrogen and helium. And helium is, like if you two, took two hydrogens and you did funny things with them and pushed them together, you get a helium, which has got two neutrons, two protons, and two electrons. Mm-hmm. Whereas a hydrogen's only got one proton and one electron. So mm-hmm. you... But that's called fusion. If we could yeah. do that on Earth, it'd be awesome. And you just need lots of energy for fusion to take place, Oh, right? no. It gives out lots of energy. Oh, okay. Because yep. eventually, if you get it, that's why the sun is so hot, because yeah. it's got this fusion reaction happening. And we tried to do it on Earth, but we never got around to it. But, yeah, that's another story <laughs> for another wow. time. All right, hang on. So, hang on. Before we go down this road, we're going down rabbit holes here. <laughs> but I wanted to come back to the, the syllabus, yeah. right? So, even what you're talking about there, um, the previous syllabus was, you know, those dot points. Here, that's the syllabus now for stage, the new stage six syllabus, uh, leaves a pathway for students to really go yeah. into into depth with this. Yeah. So, okay. I wanted to ask, So, and that's a great example. And yeah. when we talk about, you know, molecules, yeah. is that... Um, fit, um, uh, fi- uh, what do you call it? Physics. Physics. So there's physics, physics biology. It can be physics and it can be chemistry. Yeah, because it's a um, part of everything. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, You can do it. There's a bit of biochemistry. So biology's got a bit of biochemistry mm-hmm. in it. Earth and environmental science, well, it's looking at the sun and yep. stuff. So it's still a bit of chemistry. That's So it's all there. Yeah. They're all interla- interrelated in, mm-hmm. in ways to go. The new syllabus, looking at the old syllabus, the new syllabus, the old syllabus used to have things called electives. Uh, they were never electives because... Uh, teachers and students chose them so they'd get the most marks. Yeah. The ones that were the easiest to do, the ones that you could, you know, brain dump your answers, you mm-hmm. know, especially in chemistry, the industrial chemistry, you, you knew exactly what the questions were going to be. Yeah. So you just did it. Yeah. And then you'd get a, you know, go off and get marked and whatever. And so there wasn't really an elective there. So in order to get around that, let's make it simpler. Let's make it simpler and make a depth study that's not, got any content involved in it and mm-hmm. what it's got it's got 15 hours uh, 30 hours in investigating science great course got to do it but the 15 hours nice little <laughs> plug there of course that's good <laughs> absolutely um, the, the, the depth 15 hours and we've said do anything you like with mm-hmm. it yeah. as long as it covers or inspired by some of those four outcomes that we talked about yep um, and, and you can go and do what you like for example that the neutron colliding stars Go off and do something about it. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. But that's going to be inspired by the last unit in physics, which is talks mm-hmm. about universe. So yeah. there's your depth study. That's awesome. And, of course, there's assessment to it too, but the assessment's not what drives it. The, well, that's it. Well, that's what I wanted to ask because, I mean, you, you mentioned that industrial science. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it's just driven by data, driven by numbers, giving you a mark. Mm. Where I, what am I out of 10? Which yeah. is, um, you know, as we know, yeah. it's not the most beneficial feedback you can no. receive. So what does assessment look like in this new kind of iteration of a science syllabus? Well, the, the new... The new questions that are going to be coming out are all application questions. So yeah. in the old syllabus, you would have dot points that said identify, explain. Now, the big problem with that is that if you ask a question that goes beyond identify, then then teachers are going to complain because it's not at that level. They taught it at a lower level. Yeah. 
all of those things were taken out of the syllabus and just asked to investigate. So if you investigate something, well, you can do anything you like with it. You can evaluate it. You can assess it. You can just identify it. You can do all those things. If you're asked to evaluate, well, you've got to identify and explain that or describe it on the way through. Yeah. So now the questions will be application-type questions. Mm-hmm. But say you've got an, a, a nine-mark question. So along the way, you've got to identify... You've got to describe, you've got to do something about explanation, mm-hmm. and along the way you would then get to analysing and evaluating. Yep. So that's where you get your nine marks, because you're building it up. Yep. And that's the way we, scientists work. That mm-hmm. Scientists don't work by just going, oh, I identified it so I can walk away now. No, we've got to identify it. Scientists never stop with yeah. identifying. You can just hear that, um, like, Bloom's taxonomy just oh, underpinning absolutely. that. Yeah, know? and it's... But that Bloom's taxonomy <coughs> overpinned the last one, but mm-hmm. it actually bound everyone to... This is the level you should need to know it. Mm. Um, and this is identify, you don't do any more. Yeah. Um, and no, you need more than that in science. Yeah. Um, everyone can identify stuff, um, but scientists do more than that. And that's why the syllabus was changed. But the depth study, getting back to the depth study, the depth study it's giving so much more time to, for teachers to do that. You only in the, when it comes back to questions. There's four working scientifically outcomes that need to be mm-hmm. So if you're doing a depth study, you're learning those working scientifically outcomes. Now the depth study itself will never be assessed. Yep. Externally, but it will be assessed. You know, sometimes people assess it at school, and they might do assess a little aspect of it. Yep. But it's that if you develop the skills when you come to do the exam you'll know how to do those skills. So you do the skills in year 11, you do the skills in year 12, you do the skills in the depth study, you do the skills in the depth study in year 12, mm-hmm. you've learned how to be a scientist. You start to think yeah. like a scientist. Yep. And even if you don't go on to science at university level or TAFE or after school, you can now think like a scientist and make judgments about things that are yeah. around you. And that's that's really, that for me, that's really important. And I love that um, curiosity about what's around you. What about, um, I guess... Uh, prompting students to evaluate what other scientists have oh, pursued yeah, and yeah. and try and discrediting it or not just dis- not doing it to discredit but doing it because that's part of the scientific yeah. method right if you're part of the community yeah. you need to check to ensure you receive the mm. same results o- einstein when, when einstein made his big thing of special relativity and general relativity <coughs> he spent the, the whole time the rest of his life trying to disprove it now everyone goes, oh, why is he trying to disprove it? Because a theory is just a theory. Mm-hmm. It can never, it's a theory is a theory until there's something that disproves it. Yes. Um, it's not always there. So scientists never try to prove a theory. They, so, try, they try to disprove a theory. So a theory is almost like purgatory. Yeah, until it's, it's sort of absolutely like, proven. Absolutely. Until it's disproven. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the theory of relativity is there until someone can show us that it's not. Yeah, this is the best we've got so yeah, far. Yeah, this let's is our do theory. it. Yeah, and and it, that's why he spent so much time trying to disprove it. And yeah. I remember I read, read his, his biography and I went, oh, this is really silly. Why do you want to do this? And then it came to me that that's what a scientist does. Mm-hmm. He gets the theory and then says, well, let's see if it does this. Let's see if it fits this. And yeah. it does, well, let's go a bit further. Mm-hmm. Um, laws, on the other hand, are a different story altogether because you've got laws, they fit mathematical relationships and mathematical models. Yes. So, you know, the law of conservation of energy is, well, that was great until we screwed up with, with, with Einstein came along with his equals MC squared. Mm-hmm. And that, again, the law of conservation of energy works except if you're looking at a nucleus, mm-hmm. and when a nucleus, uh, and then in that, we're talking—is that quantum level when you're talking, or yeah, is quantum smaller than a nucleus? Oh, quantum levels. Um, 
well, it's 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 in the nucleus level, yeah. You, it goes down to the nucleus level as well. So yeah. you've got all the quarks and the things that are lower than that. But let's mm-hmm. not go on. Okay, that's just really opening up. We're really going down a rabbit hole <laughs> than there. But <clears throat> the E equals M C squared. Like when we talked about the hydrogen and the helium coming together, mm-hmm. when the hydrogen becomes the helium in the star, it gives out all this energy. Well, where does that energy come from? Well, we start with all this massive hydrogen. And then we end up with this massive helium. And somewhere along the way, the helium is lighter than the hydrogens it started with. Mm-hmm. Well, where did that mass go? Well, that mass is now energy. Uh, thank goodness for that. Otherwise, we, mm-hmm. the Earth wouldn't be around. Yeah. And that energy comes to us as, as the energy comes from E equals MC squared. How he got E equals MC squared, oh, I never know. Because oh, I've seen some of his diagrams on boards yeah. that go on for board after board. And then he comes down to this simple E equals MC squared. That's it's so... It's 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 beauty. Oh, it is. It's <laughs> it is absolutely beauty because you start from all. Because he was hopeless at maths. He was absolutely hopeless. Um, and then he got wow. a lot of help from a few people along the way to, to sort of help him out. And mm-hmm. then he learnt the maths. Um, his first wife was um, a really good mathematician. Yeah. So. So you can't separate maths from science when it oh, comes no, to proving. Like no. it's they just intertwine so well. Well, this whole idea of STEM mm-hmm. is is for me a bit silly mm-hmm. because you can't get rid of the technology or the engineering or the maths out of science mm-hmm. and in the olden days well, when you know olden days when yeah. I learnt science back in my day yeah, yeah. back in my day <laughs> maths was part of science there oh okay really? it, was, it was just part of science like mm-hmm. you would do all these mathematical things but now in stage five mm-hmm. if you do Newton's law force equals MA then you have to tell it Qualitatively, you're not allowed to teach it quantitatively. Yeah, that's called additional content because you know you don't want that maths and science overlapping. <laughs> I wanted to ask a question about um, within the new syllabus. Yeah, I mean, so many studies um, are, are branded in TV shows and and really sound like clickbait or you know trying to be sexy to get people's attention. <laughs> you know, you know, if you drink a, bo- a glass of wine every night, this will lower your chances of developing some sort of. You know what I mean? Like. Is there yeah. an element of um, within the science syllabus to be critical about? Oh yes, about unpacking this and not just oh, yeah. because I think it's important to. Um, I mean, the public can really just consume yeah. without being critical. Yeah, the the values and attitudes that go across all of the science statistics syllabus is there, and that looks at that sort of stuff. But yeah. if you're doing again, I'm going to go back to this investigating science course because oh yeah, absolutely. One. It's the one of the units in there is, uh, in year twelve is called fact or fallacy. Um, Love and, it. Yeah. So you've got one on scientific investigations, and the next one's on technologies. And the, and it's not written so that you look at CDs or faxes or stuff like the old science, mm-hmm. senior science syllabus used to be. It looks at, let's look at the, the t- technologies that are here today. It doesn't name them. It just says look at them and then goes on further. But the next unit, which is, uh, why well, I love it, it's called, originally we are going to call it Mythbusters, but I think ah. that had already been taken, I think. So, so, so nice. we called it Fact or Fallacy. Now, if you look at it, it just, just looks at things that don't fit into science. And mm-hmm. people say that there's like pseudoscience, where you're actually looking at the sciences and you're going, yep, yeah, um, is that a fact or is that 
yeah. really a fallacy. Mm-hmm. And so, f- for example, if we, we take an example there, you've got uh, the first one would be testing claims. So you, you say, well, if, if someone makes a claim mm-hmm. about something like, for example, if I drink one wine uh, a day, I'm not going to get this, then yeah. look for the data. Yeah, because in today's day, in today's society, data is important. Oh, absolutely! If, if you're a data scientist, you can get a job half a million dollars, like without a problem. Yeah, I was thinking of changing, become a data science, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe too late. I wish I could come with you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, things like well, another one was like when food packaging says. This is good for your health. Well, how can you test that out? Yeah, that's right. And so the, the syllabus asks you, well, find some mm-hmm. and go and test it. See yeah. what it's like. Yeah. You know, like um, the, the, the I, mean, I can remember really well the Glen 20 one was uh, 99% germs killed. Yes. And I remember that happened because wh- I was actually working for the company when they, they asked that. And my wife mm-hmm. was actually the scientist microbiologist that they asked. <laughs> Does this kill? Yeah, it kills 90% germs. And that was like a very long time ago and still around because yeah. it was proven. And so you put all the lot of germs in stuff and they showed that it just killed lots of germs. kills everything, actually. Oh, right. Don't drink it. It's not really good for okay. you. Okay. <laughs> but but the, the claim was there. Yeah. And that claim has hung around because it's been tested. Yeah. So if a student was going to come and test it, they could do that, put some germs out, not, not a good one, but you could do it under a controlled experiment, test it out, and if it proves to be right, that's great. If it mm-hmm. doesn't, then you can go back to the people like Robina a few years ago, the New Zealand girl, found that they, Robina was saying they've got this much vitamin C, and she said, but you don't. And she, it was a school project, and she went back and said, you, you don't, and then took the company to, to task over it and won. Oh wow, that's that's a year nine student. That's incredible. That's, that's awesome. Love that. Yeah, you know, just and it happens, and that's part of our new syllabus. It's, it's so awesome. And I like I like the idea of um, looking at the validity of the experiment and yeah. looking at how these conclusions have been drawn because sometimes mm. you can get data and and, oh. and you know they, these crazy conclusions can be drawn mm. from data, which yeah. is um, I think it's so important um, right now to be critical because it's changing every day, and we've got this fake news. <laughs> That we get from um, what's his name, Hump? Oh, that's right. Something Trump. Trump. That's right. Sump. Yeah. Sump. Sump. Yes. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> this is the bottom of the barrel, anyway. Um, that fake news. Well, that's really sad. There's like we've even got f- the people claiming fake news over here with climate change. Well, yeah. You know, just look around you. Climate change is happening. That's what no I one ever wants to see. It like the facts yeah. are there, but we play with the, the conclusions from it. You just got to take mm-hmm. the. the the facts and look at what the facts are doing. The climate change is happening. You can see it. Okay, so Pete, tell us a little bit about. Um, I mean, did you start out as a science teacher? Yeah, but no, actually, I started as science and maths maths person. So I, was, I loved maths. So I had an amazing maths teacher, uh, Tony Everett. He was he is the most amazing bloke. He taught me yep. four unit maths. Taught me from year seven to year twelve. Mm-hmm. Got to know him really well. He was first year out, so he's only about three years old. Yeah, old, well, I was thirteen. He was like eight to nine, twenty maybe. Yeah. Um, eventually, I taught his son, which was really bizarre, <laughs> uh, and just inspired me to do maths. But I, when I got to university, I really liked chemistry, so I thought I'd just pick up a bit of chemistry and maths. I was doing a maths chemistry, and then I liked physics, so I was doing a science teaching degree and a science degree as well. And at that time, it was art, an arts degree in maths and science. 
And then they decided, Macquarie decided to do science, so I decided to do science and maths mm-hmm. and teaching. And then you had to make the, the choice. So I was doing so many, too many courses, um, and I had to make a choice to do either science teaching or maths teaching mm-hmm. in, in the method in year three. And um, there was this really attractive Lebanese girl that I, I, I wanted to go out with, so I decided... <laughs> There's always science. a girl. There's always a girl. And I never got there, which was really sad. We, got, we became good friends, but we never got, never got boyfriend, girlfriend. Yeah. But so, and that's why I became a science teacher, but I just loved it as well. Mm. Like, there's just so much you can do with science. Like, the questions. Like, I just love inquiring questions. Yeah. And then I, when I got out, I, um, I was supposed to... You know, I was on a teacher scholarship, as you were in those days, and couldn't get a job in the department, so I taught at a... Uh, De La Salle Ashfield, mm-hmm. best decision ever made in my life. Was awesome. Yep. Um, I had forty kids in my class, no syllabus. I was thrown in at, I think it was multi-strand science and two unit A, which was eleven and twelve. Yeah, no program. Mm-hmm. Teach it was deep end stuff. What year we're we're talking here? Oh, do I need to tell you? <laughs> it's a long time ago. I apologize. Nineteen eighty-one. Oh, back in my day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. probably weren't even born. <laughs> So I, I taught there for a while, and then um, my uh, there was a position opened up at uh, at uh, Eastwood mm-hmm. that my principal said, "Look, you really need to go. You need to leave Ashfield because you need to go the next step and become a coordinator." And so I did, and became a coordinator at Eastwood, and um, that was some great times because we we had a, a thing called STONS, Science Teachers of North Sydney, mm-hmm. and we used to have um, <clears throat> meetings every month and we'd have all the science teachers of North Sydney come to all different schools and we'd have a big barbecue and have demonstrations and talks and it was just it was a really mm. exciting time for science yeah, teaching that community camaraderie yeah that's, that's great but oh I forgot one year though I did take off um, I wasn't sure I wanted to, do, to keep, te- keep teaching because it was really tough first few years when I was at Asheville and my principal told me look take a year off and um, I took a year off and did some research work at a, a pharmaceutical company where I met my wife. She was a, a smelly one in the microbiology department. And <laughs> felt sorry for her and <laughs> married her. Oh, very good. <laughs> three, years la- three kids later, well, the beautiful kids later, it was great. So then I became, went up to Eastwood and then uh, I got a really good opportunity to go to Vanuatu to teach um, in a British aid contract to teach teachers mm-hmm. and to teach the new Vanuatu there. And so I went over there, almost died from dengue fever, but that's... Yeah, that's what happens when you okay. go to a <laughs> country comes like with that. the job. Yeah, that's right. It's, it comes with the job, but it made me realise that uh, you, there's so much to life mm-hmm. uh, when you're close to death. But they taught me more than I taught them about life. I taught them lots about how to teach, but mm-hmm. they taught me so much about life. And and what do you mean? There. They're just nice. Just being able to accept everything you had in the day. Yeah. That every day was a real present. Yeah, um, gratefulness. Yeah, and they were so grateful. Yeah, like I was, I was um, sick one day, probably from a hangover, <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't get back down to work because it was a bit, it was a big ball. The 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 um, uh, the, the commissioner, um, high commissioner, had a ball for us all, mm-hmm. all the British aid people, and of course, you know. You have free drinks from the high commissioner. You don't knock it back. Absolutely. And I couldn't get to school. And well, I went down to school, did my my thing in the morning, and then I went back and had to lay down for ten minutes until my next lesson. And the next uh, minute, the uh, principal's son was knocking on my door and going, oh, "I'm in trouble." And it was like the school day had finished. And I went, "He's going to be going to tell me off." And the school's the the, the boy said, uh, "Dad wants to know if you're still going to play soccer with us this afternoon." <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh yeah, yeah, I'll be out because oh, yeah. I used to play with the school team. And I went down to I went down to just said, oh, I better go and check on the classes. Well, you know, I went down into my lab. Now this never happened in Australia. I had a year eight class, a year eleven class, and a year thirteen class. They'd all done their work. They'd all put them in little piles. They'd done the experiment themselves. Mm-hmm. Put all their work in a pile, cleaned up, wrote me a really nice note saying, "I hope you're feeling better, Mr. Blanche." And they were all on piles at the front of my desk. And I went. I really don't need to be here. That's incredible. I mean, that's that's the type of people they were. They were just awesome. They were mm-hmm. really friendly, mm-hmm. and they accepted me for who I was, even though I was a whitey. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and you know, it's a good time. I love how how that all began. And become was it Mr. Everett? Did you say? Mm, yeah, Mr. Everett. And yeah, it's so important, um, especially in science, mm. to have those teachers oh, who absolutely. have the time for you, who mm. have the enthusiasm. Yeah, because as I said at, at yeah. the start of this, it's in, it's contagious. Yeah, and it can change your life. Absolutely, because you, you, you know, we, if you look at any of the the major scientists and the astronauts that, that or any anyone from Australia mm-hmm. who's become a major scientist, in the, a big player, they'll always come back to it. You know, there was a science teacher. I had that just inspired me mm-hmm. and I, I'm sending this out to all the science teachers You, everything that you do as a science teacher affects yep. your students those little one liners um, I mean I've got kids that come back to me 20 years after I've taught them and, he go, and they'll say I remember when you said this in class I've got no recollection <laughs> oh yeah it really inspired me and I'm going did I really say that <laughs> And they've gone on to do things, and you go, well, you've got to be careful about what you say. Yeah. You know? Have you got some success stories, some of the um, yeah, kids yeah. you've taught in the past? Yeah, there's I've got, yeah, there's a few. Um, no, I'm sure they're all successes, but someone who's really pursued science. Um, a Albert, there's a guy called Albert Catalano, um, doctor, well, he's a professor now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is... Um, he was one of my first students, and I was really blown away by that because I was a really young teacher, and, and uh, he went on to work with Foundation 41 okay. and still works with um, the fertilisation clinics. He's probably overseas now. Oh, wow. Um, he was, well, I think the guy that started that got in a lot of trouble because he falsified some of his results. But but, um, but he, Albert took over, and mm-hmm. uh, he's done this amazing job. Um, one of the girls that I taught at Sirdon College, uh, she's now a professor, Somewhere doing science. Um, Very cool. She's really cool. I mean, like, and they, then they, still, they stay on Facebook with me because mm-hmm. they're of the old now. They're allowed to be That's on right. Facebook with me, of course. Um, yep. Yeah. Look, <laughs> there's there's a guy that's at um, at uni at the moment who's now doing. He's he's one of my latest success stories. He's now going and doing um, astrophysics. Um, oh, there wow. were two guys I used to I taught at at uh, Oak Hill that were at. This is an amazing success story, but not, it wasn't to do with me. It had nothing to do with me. It had more to do with the fact that these guys are really brilliant. We were up at the CSIRO at Ride, and you know how Ride, you can actually change the, the park's telescope to see if you can see some pulsars. And these two kids were, they get a chance to do it, and actually you can, they put in the coordinates, but they, they stuffed up their coordinates. But the, the, as the, the um, telescope was moving, you could actually see it moving. It's a mm-hmm. huge telescope. Yeah. As it was moving, they got a little glitch on the on the screen and they stopped it these kids were smart enough to say stop it and go we need to look at some stuff Dougal that's happening here mm-hmm. um, can you come and look at this because I think we've got something and they went oh it might be just electronics so they moved it back and the glitch was not it was a pulsar that hadn't been discovered and these kids had found <laughs> by accident found a pulsar is a pulsar a star it's a star that's dying it's a dying star well it's a dead star and when it uh, does yeah. it spins and as it spins it sends out 
uh, radio waves, and those radio waves are picked up by the by the the um, the uh, telescope at, at parks. But each wow. one of them has a different frequency to its spin, and they've never seen this frequency before, so it was a new one. And so they went, let's go back. And they then spent all this time, they got invited back, and they went looking for this. And uh, Dougal, who was the, the guy that was running the Space to Grow program, mm-hmm. said, let's write a paper on this. So these two kids in year 11 wrote this paper. It was published with it, with it and it was peer-reviewed. So before they even got to year 12 HSC, they'd already had a peer-reviewed paper. Wow. And I went, wow. And Sandra Woodward, who was the, the physics person with me then, was like, She's blown away. She's an amazing lady. That's incredible. Too. Yeah, that, that, that's the sort of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it had nothing to do with me, just that we actually gave them the opportunity mm-hmm. to be in a place that they could do it. Yeah. And that's what these depth studies are all about. We're always going to bring it back to those depth studies. Fantastic. Because it allows the students to go and do things mm-hmm. that they probably wouldn't have done before. Yep. And that's, yeah, that's the great part about it. I love, yeah. And I just love the teaching. I, I miss it because I'm, I'm here now, but... Every so often I go into the schools and sneak into someone's class. Get the class buzz, yeah. You know, just sneak in the class and take over a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. The question, yeah. that's the inquiry. What's a good question for our listeners? Something to prompt or, you know, what are you going to do tomorrow that mm-hmm. you can't do today? Mm-hmm. You know, do what, what does today bring for you? Yep. Like, and, you know, I, I love this saying, rejoice in the present and mm-hmm. make the most of the present. And rejoice in things around you. Like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. you, you look around you, in a, in, like we're in a room. The room is just st- stands up. Mm-hmm. And um, it just stands up by itself. I'm, someone's worked out the physics of it mm-hmm. to put a roof on it and yeah. span six metres or eight metres so it mm-hmm. doesn't fall down on us. Um, that's just science. Yeah. And then, and then the, you know, the one really good thing is that we've, I've been working with this girl called Solange uh, Kinnan from um, Cube Rider. And she's an again amazing Australian. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd been around her talent. Cube writer, that's the um, uh, coding for the space station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we've got lots of schools across the diocese are doing this cube writer. Yeah. And she sent this experiment up into space, the first Australian thing in space mm-hmm. on the on the space station, and it was looking at whether gravity, microgravity, affects a convection current. Whoa. And so she had this little tiny. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What's a convection tensor. current? Well, a convection current is when you know if you you heat up um, hot water, heat up water, mm-hmm. the hot water will, will rise mm-hmm. and the cold water will fall. Yep. And if you've got that in a beaker, it's going to keep going around. So okay. if you put a little speck of uh, carbon or a little color dropping in, you can actually see it going round and round and round. So oh, hot okay. air rises, cold air falls. It's the way that the 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 wind oh, yeah, comes yeah. up because hot air rises, cold air falls. That's where you get low high pressure, pressure, low pressure, and then you get the wind between the two, and that's okay. yeah. Convection so current. so the, you go so convection currents around us everywhere. Yeah. So she thought, well, let's have a look and see if microgravity has this effect, has any effect on convection currents. Mm-hmm. So she set this experiment up that was only about ten centimeters by ten centimeters by one centimeter with water, with graphite in it, with a little. Um, uh, resistor in it to make sort of the heat there in one mm-hmm. little corner. Then once she did that, she then recorded it up in space for 15 minutes and then for, th- for 30 minutes, and then they get the, the information sent back to space. Wow. Now, I'm not even going to tell you what happened because you're going to have to think about that yourself. That's your question. Ah, what do you think would happen? I know what happened because I've seen the, the video of it. It will blow you away. Oh, I, and I think on that note, we're going to have yeah. to um, rejoice in the present. Yeah. Pete, thank you for sharing your knowledge and passion with us. It's yeah. amazing. Thanks, Chris. It's been great.